Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Mason Lori was down in Providence and left a game. Uh, was there an update on his, on the severity of that injury? Because uh, last night, uh, the Bruins lineup iced Matt Grizzlick, Shattenkirk, and Forbert in the same lineup. And, you know, based on their play this year, um, I, in a perfect world, I would like to see Watherspoon and, and, and Lori, uh, getting two of those three spots in their, in their top six, but Lori, I believe is potentially injured again. I don't know the severity. He said, didn't he get a skate to the, he has a skate cut, I believe. Yeah. I think, I think it was to the leg and, um, Mark Giver yesterday tweeted that, uh, according to Evan Gold, who's the province Bruins GM. Um, Bruins expect to get a better idea on the status of Mason Lori, who has a skate cut after players return Thursday from the AHL All-Star break. So should be later this week. Obviously, that's you know always a scary situation when you're talking about a skate cut. We you know we know Lauko had one to the face earlier this year. Um you, you hope it was relatively minor and didn't get, you know, a tendon or anything like that. Um but right now, no, no real update there. And just the state of the Bruins blood in general, like they had to make room with forward coming back and just, we all here agree. Like it's great to have depth at, at, at defense, especially NHL caliber depth, right? It's, it's never a bad thing to have a seventh, eighth guy that can, it's, it's not a bad problem to have. It's not even a problem, but what's your opinion on, on their blue line as far as just personnel? Like what, what do you feel like is the best the best deep pairings you've seen this year, and just in terms of not just defensively, but again, um, creating offense from the D zone and transition? Um, I, I just feel I, I've liked the way the Bruins lineup has looked this year more so with Watherspoon in there and Lori in there, uh, as I have with you know Forbert and and, and Shattenkirk at times. And Grizzlick, you know, Gr- Grizzlick is a polarizing option because you can put him on a top pair with McAvoy. And you can also make the argument he's your seventh defenseman. So it, he, it, it, I don't know how to feel about him all the time, but certainly with Shattenkirk and Forbert, like I just feel like you know Watherspoon and Lori, I just I think there's opportunity there. But this when when there's too many chefs in the kitchen, Don Sweeney has to make personnel decisions um, to to abide by the cap and whatnot. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's increasing increasingly to me feeling like it's sort of the number one area they have to figure out leading up to the trade deadline. And we've talked about this a little, but it's like, you know, I think campus Lindholm has come around. I'm I'm not super concerned there. Like at the very, even if he's not playing to the level of last year, he's a really solid top four defenseman. Um, But we we've talked about like Grizzly has been up and down this year. It's been an inconsistent season for him. Forbert has really been battling through injuries and I don't think he's looked very good since he's come back. Um, I don't know if he's stretch. probably like, I don't, I honestly feel like the injury is just like, it's still there. Like he's, I don't know if it's, you know how like some seasons 
there's a guy who plays through an injury that needs surgery, but they don't, they wait till the off season to get surgery. Like this kind of feels maybe like it's something like that. Cause he's not been a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and it's worth noting that Montgomery did clarify that uh, the most recent game that Fulbert missed the, that Philly game, the last one before the all-star break was a different injury. He said it wasn't related to the same thing that's been lingering all year. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that other injury isn't still lingering. So the luck has just not been there yeah. for him this year, but yeah, it, you know, right now I don't, their left side to me doesn't look good enough to make a deep run. Now it, you know, can that change if you get Forbert healthy, if, if Grizzly really picks up his play? Sure. But you're, you know, you're, you're running out of time quick. Like the trade deadline's a month away. So that decision on whether you need a real upgrade there has to come quick. Like that's not a lot of time for everything to kind of come together and, and really click and solidify your left side. So, um, you know, whether it's that physical presence, like, like Jake Middleton in Minnesota that we talked about, you know, someone like that. Um, you know, I know Joel Edmondson's kind of another name that's started to, to surface who, I'm not the biggest fan of, I think he's more of a third pairing guy at this point in his career. Um, or whether it's another puck mover, like, you know, the guy we just saw who's probably going to get traded, Noah Hannafin, who's always been linked to the Bruins because he's a local guy. He's from here. There's, you know, there's teams and, and rumors of people who think even if he's not traded to the Bruins, he, he might want to sign there in the summer. So you look at that possibility. Um, but yeah, it's it like at this very moment, I I feel like that's kind of the area they they might need to upgrade the most uh, before the trade deadline. But that that could still change. And and to answer one of your questions as part of that, Brian, who's been like their best defensive pair? It doesn't it ha- kind of have to be Lindholm Carlo recently? I feel like that's been their bet. Like more often than not, that's that's been a consistent pair and that's two guys that you can, you can rely on most and, like, and even, even they had a rough night. Too. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, I guess we're kind of looking back to like right before yeah, the break because sure. this, this most recent game, like if we were doing who's up, who's down, just like throw them all in the down category, like just hundred percent down. But now if we're talking about like the stretch before the break, I think Lindholm Carlo has, and it should be uh, on paper and uh, in reality, a nice reliable pair there because those are two, two guys that have are high skill, uh, you know, smart defenders. So. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think that Noah Hannafin is a player, like we talked about him earlier this year. If, if there was a trade package with, for Noah Hannafin, that featured like, um, Lori or something like that. Like we talked about how, yeah, you make that trade because, you know, Lori is like 23 and Hannafin's 26 and Hannafin's already an established top four guy in the NHL has been for years that said i i do think if, if you if if you're trying to optimize this year's roster by giving up the least like if you look internally the bruins on the blue line they do have puck movers in mcavoy in Lindholm, and in lori should they choose to uh, implement him into their lineup um especially in the spring what i what i fear they don't have internally is a very hard nose, tough to play against, earn every inch of the ice you get, third pair deep defense. And like 
like I think you can okay you bring Noah Hannafin in you're getting you're getting you know a, a solid solid offensive defenseman that can move the puck and create you know, offense from the D zone and transition Lorai can do that as well but he's not a polished product defensively like like Hannafin would be but what they don't have is like yeah you bring in a Jacob Middleton or or a Joel Edmondson who Scott you're right like he's nothing more than a third D man third D pair guy but I think that's what he was for St. Louis when they beat you for the cup like he was in and out of the lineup for that team um but like you know the the, the Bruins forwards like didn't have much success going to the net with him out there because he's like six foot five and loves to give you little cross checks to the ribs and more the, the cross checks to the ribs that don't get called because they're kind of subtle um a Jacob Middleton in Minnesota like I think that's what the Bruins – the Bruins have enough high-end talent, I think, on the blue line. They need more of that attainable, affordable um, – you know, I hate to use the word grit, but you kind you, you need it. And, and and I think that's what they should target. I think it would be great to get Noah Hannafin, but to your point, Scott, you can get him uh, later, I think, uh, when he hit, hits free agency. Like, I think the Bruins – you want to go for it because the team is, is, is strong and the record indicates that. But I, I don't think – I still think they can optimize this roster without potentially um, making anything crazy happen in the asset department. Yeah, and, and you know, Middleton to me is like – I that's the guy I'd much rather target than, than Edmondson because I do think Middleton can play up in the lineup too. Like he's – you know, in Minnesota, his most common partner has been Jared Spurgeon – who's, you know, along with Jonas Brodeen, like their top defenseman minutes wise, and they've been very successful together in San Jose before that he was paired with Eric Carlson. And that pairing was really like the only good thing on an otherwise awful team. So he's a guy who's like showing he can be a nice compliment to, uh, you know, a really high end player. And, you know, you look at Carlson, you look at Spurgeon and it's like, yeah, you know, McAvoy's that kind of high-end player. So perhaps Middleton could pair with him, even though, you know, like that might seem like a little too high in the lineup for Middleton on a Stanley Cup team. But if it works for five-on-five five shifts, then, you know, then who cares? Like he, he can pair with McAvoy and still not necessarily be playing like 24 minutes a game. Like he, he could still be around 20 minutes. So, um yeah, like he 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 really intrigues me. He's also signed for another season, so it's possible that Minnesota might say, "No, we're not we're not trading him." Like we we expect to be in it again next year, and he's part of our plans. So, there's, or there's it makes him yeah. more valuable. Like it could also make him more a more valuable piece to move because you're not like, okay, we're not going to give up our draft pick or whomever for somebody that's just going to walk and two months, you know? So, um, you know, it, it changes a little bit of the, like what you're willing to, to offer, I guess. Cause you're not, you're not gonna, it's not like, okay. Like, so if you think about the Bruins trade deadline last year, you add Bertuzzi for a first overall pick, but then he's gone, you know, like, so it, it, it makes him a little bit more valuable that he could stick around if it, you know for another season and that's also the issue with Noah Hannafin it's like it's kind of it would have to be like the Lindholm deal where um they knew he was going to sign and extend um right so that's kind of where they would have to be like there would have to be an agreement there yeah and, and look I I think and there's some NHL news we haven't gotten to yet but it, it does have implications on the Bruins because it, it, it takes away from 
uh, possibilities for them, but I think it helps them direct direct their their targets going forward. So uh, Elias Lindholm goes from Calgary to Vancouver. He's off the board. We've been talking about him for you know months now about potentially being dating back to the preseason uh, off season. He's gone. Sean Monahan goes from Montreal to Winnipeg. Now, is this a very deep center, you know, class right now? Going no, not really. Um, but I think okay. So there weren't. A ton, there's not a ton of centers out there. The few that potentially could have been, they're already gone pre-deadline. Um, and by for, the way, for very for very high prices. I yeah, think. yeah. But look, I mean, I mean, Vancouver, Vancouver is. They were neck and neck with the Bruins in the standings, and they've acquired pre-deadline two players that I thought the Bruins, you know, should have been at least considering at some point if, if, if it could work out. And that's Nikita Zadorov on the blue line and Elias Lindholm and Vancouver was already um, having a great year and they had those two guys and, you know, kudos to them. But as far as the Bruins go um, and you can sit there and, and, and argue, uh, you know, the Bruins were right to not be in those players. And that's, that's totally subjective and fine. I'm not going to argue, argue that, but the reality is those players are off the board and, if you're the Bruins, I think I think you're trying to target a Middleton type defenseman, like 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 we've talked about, potentially a Pat Maroon type character, tough guy. And I don't mean tough guy like like fighting, like he's from the Danbury Trashers. I'm talking just like have that presence in your lineup for the playoffs, and then you know try to get another middle six forward. And I think I think those are attainable assets. I, you're probably giving up some middle round picks, and you know maybe I don't know, but that's what the Bruins should target, and with certain players off the board now it should be more apparent problem is everybody is probably going to be fighting for the same you know a couple of fish i think out there by the way brian i saw someone wearing a little lock monsters hat at the bean pot on monday so that's, figured you, i figured you would like that i love that um so many so many thoughts on that um scott would you say the lock monsters uniforms were better when they were the affiliate of the Islanders or the Hurricanes? Because I like the Islanders ones. There was more color than yeah. color in them. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have you gotta have the purple in there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, have you have you guys seen the uh, the Danbury Trashers documentary on Netflix? Yeah, that was like a year or two ago, right? Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Like uh, ties to like organized crime and all that. That was yeah, yeah. You got you got the Rock and Triple H showing up <laughs> to a ten year old's birthday party in Connecticut. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Sorry to, to uh, take us off the tracks again. I've already done it at least twice today, um, but th that's all right. Um, anyway, Scott, okay. you were talking. Uh, no, not really. I was just bringing up the Danbury Trashers. I, I, don't, I don't even remember what topic we were on. Honestly. No, we're, we're, ta we're talking about the uh, deadline. The, 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 the certain players that are off the market now and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Home so, gone. Yeah. So, you know, it's fascinating with, with Lindholm. It's like our last episode, I know we, we talked about that athletic proposal of um, was it Frederick Potter and a first round pick. And as it turns out, that that is what it would have taken. Like that's it, arguably even more than that. That's that basically is what Vancouver gave up. They, you know, Andre Kuzmenko, who, by the way, just scored against the Bruins on Tuesday in his Calgary debut. You know, that's a guy who had almost 80 points last year. I know he's having a down season, but he is a talented player. Um, first round pick, conditional fourth round pick, um, a, a 
two defense prospects. Only one of them I'd say was a real prospect, but you know, probably just like a notch below like a tier one prospect. Like not, not quite an elite prospect, but I'm blanking on the kid's name, but he, he's a top scoring defenseman in the OHL right now. So, um, you know, it, it would have been a really big package that the, the Bruins would have to given up. And then even Monaghan goes for a first round pick, which I, I would not have given up for him, honestly. Um, great job by Montreal. They, they, they got a first round pick from Calgary just to take on his contract, played him big minutes, played him in power play, you know, kind of built his career back up, got his numbers up. And then they flip him for a first round pick. So, um, mm. yeah, pre- pretty crazy prices there. Like, my take, you know, I tweeted this, but I'll say it here. Like, if I'm the Bruins, I'm fine with waiting out that sort of early flurry and seeing where prices go because right now they are at pretty crazy high levels. Um, and I think. I think you're going to see more of an arms race out West. Whereas last year it, it was all the Eastern teams loading up and including the Bruins, obviously um, this year, it felt like, you know, Vancouver makes that trade because they know that Winnipeg and Colorado are also in on them. Then Winnipeg turns around and says, well, we, we have to get the next best center because Colorado's still around on, 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 on whoever's left. And so they, they pounce you know Colorado's looking for an upgrade. That's There's been talk all year about how, you know, Ryan Johansson hasn't really worked out as their second-line center, so they're looking for something there. So I, I kind of feel like the Bruins and other Eastern teams are probably going to sit back and let, let all those Western teams, like, throw first-round picks around and, and make some big deals. And, you know, then they'll kind of hope there's maybe some value left on the board somewhere. Scott, who was it that you were saying wouldn't trade his first round pick because he wanted to go to the draft? And I forget who that was. Oh, yeah, the the, the Rangers. Um, so this was so Elliot Friedman, I, I guess, alluded to this on Thirty Two Thoughts. Um, <laughs> James Dolan, the owner owner of the Rangers, Knicks, MSG, also owns the Sphere in Las Vegas, where the twenty twenty four draft is going to be held, and. Basically what Friedman insinuated was that Dolan wants to wants the Rangers to keep their first round picks so that the Rangers can be part of the round one first night activities at the draft um, because it's at the severe, which sounds insane. Sounds like, like an absolutely crazy reason to not trade a first round pick when you're one of the top teams in the league. But also given that it's Dolan he, and he is very superficial, really makes all the sense in the world coming, coming from that, 